Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast, where our goal is to stay hungry, to get better, and to move the meter. My name is Josiah Igano, and whether you're looking to improve physically, to get fed spiritually, or to challenge yourself mentally, we're digging deep to find those gems, and we're going to find them. Let's go. So I am I am joined here with a good friend of mine, Dr. Gregory Klug, uh, and I, you know, I call you Greg because, you know, we're friends. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Josiah. It's great to be here. So Greg, Greg, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Greg is both a composer uh, and and a musician. And I know he wears the title of dad and husband. Uh, man, just talk to us a little, real briefly, man, about your about your background, what you what you've done, what you're doing, and and, um, and, and what your passion is as it relates to music, man. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm from Long Island, New York. My dad is an entrepreneur. He happens to be a landscaper, and uh, I grew up thinking I would go and do likewise and do something entrepreneurial. So I, I got my bachelor's degree in business, and um, when I completed that, I had to take a long, hard look at what I wanted to do in my life. And uh, throughout that time, piano had always been a major part of my life and other, other like artistic kind of things as well. Um, and so I had to reckon with the fact that I felt like I really needed to be a music creator in my life. So I decided to go to um, get my master's degree in uh, music theory and composition, uh, which I did. I studied at the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, while I was there, uh, I got married and um, with my wife Renee's help, I was able to get through the master's degree, and uh, we decided that um, it was uh, it was a good thing for me to stay on and get my doctorate. My professors encouraged me to do do that. One of my professors took me aside and said, "Hey, um, you should get a doctorate because it'll help you, and you're in a position to do it." So my right my wife was for it, and uh, and uh, I went ahead and did that. I completed my doctorate in in, um, in composition, and I got a secondary in piano. And uh, since that time, I graduated in 2012. Since that time, I moved to Phoenix, and I've been here since then uh, in like the education like worlds, uh, teaching music theory uh, courses at some of the community colleges, GCU. I spent some time there. Uh, currently, I am at Basis Awatuki, that is a charter school, um, and uh, it's very close to my house. One of the great perks to that job for me personally is I get to walk to work. Awesome. which is a rare thing in life these days, especially in Phoenix. <laughs> uh, so that's where I'm at. I'm teaching teaching music uh, theory there. I'm also, well, the main aspect of that job is actually uh, directing the orchestra. So I happen to be the orchestra director at that school. Um, still active with musical things, uh, music creation, playing piano, playing for various events, mainly church events nowadays, um, and uh, just work on my own projects as well. Um, but, uh, that's, that's where I'm at with music. And, uh, like I mentioned with my wife, Renee, uh, uh, we live together and we have three kids, so we're just doing life and navigating all the challenges, et cetera, together. I hear you, man. I, I appreciate that. That's, yeah. uh, Hey, from strong Island, strong Island, New York, man, to, to, to the, to yeah, the, or, right. to, to the orchestra theater, you know what I'm saying? I mean, what do you yes, what do you what, what do you call that? Is is it a theater? Is it an auditorium? What is the you know the appropriate name for the room in which orchestras are performed in? I mean, the concert hall. Concert know, hall. The concert hall. There it is. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Hey, yeah. from Strong Island to the concert hall, baby. That's right, <laughs> Strong Island, man. Uh, <laughs> it's I love awesome it. too because growing up in Strong Island, there was a rap group called. Um, 
Dillard Soul. Yep. Uh, and they were they were from when you say Strong Island, I think of them because they have a they have a track where they're like they're representing you know Long Island, so they they say that. And so when you said that, that just made that brought me back. Yes, to, sir. To those days. Hey, yes, sir. Let's go. Hey, so a lot of people might be listening to this and and you know saying to themselves, man, what is music? have to do with performance, right? I, it was interesting because right. I, I, we, I just did an interview um, the other day with Elvis Andrews, and music is a big part of Elvis's, uh, his performance. You know, it's part of his arousal regulation routine. Um, music is, uh-huh. you know, uh, you and I have had lengthy discussions about how music is, is so integral in what we do. I have a question for you, and yeah. I want you to spend as much time on this as you, as you want. Um, sure. You are a composer, and you are also a, a musician. You spend a lot of time with music, and uh-huh. as it relates to you know performance, right? Um, one of the characteristic traits of top end performers is their creativity. So, so, so track with me here. We've all yep. heard about the law of 10,000 hours. Some may be familiar right. with uh, Mihai Chetis Mihai's work on, you know, creativity and flow states and how in order for you to right. even qualify, in order for one to even qualify for being creative, he or she must have spent a lot of time, decades uh-huh. perhaps, in uh-huh. their work, right? Right. So here's my question. How, in, in terms of innovation, how would you, Dr. Klug, how would you um, um, counsel, recommend, or challenge somebody to increase their levels of creativity? How do you create or how do you um, elicit high levels of innovation? Is it a process that you go through or is it something that just naturally happens? And I want to spin off from there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, and I've got a lot of thoughts about that. Just the first, one of the first things that came to mind is like when I create as a composer, sometimes, um, I don't know what I'm going to do until I start doing it. You know what I mean? Like I, for example, I sit down at the piano and I'm just messing around. Honestly, I'm just like, what, you know, what, what, what might sound good at the moment? And, um, and then some, once I have something, then it's almost like once I put something out into the world, you know what I mean? Like in this case, sound, you know, playing uh, notebooks in the keys, harmonies, m- melodies, what have you, just basic stuff. Once I get stuff into the world, now I'm hearing it. You know what I'm saying? Like now it's getting into my ears mm. and now I can judge. I can, I can evaluate. Do I like that? And, and then I start to roll with it and I say, no, I don't like that. Let me do something different. And then the more, the more I do, the more I hear, the more I hear, the more I do. And it's a cycle. Hmm. Where I can decide what's good. I mean, I imagine that would be a, that would be analogous to any activity that is creative. I mean, you can probably think of you can probably think of examples of artists or creators where they um, maybe they had like a perfect image of what they wanted to create beforehand. Like there's myths about Mozart doing that. You know, like he knew exactly what he wanted to create before he did it. He went and did it, and that's I mean that's amazing. That can be like miraculous. But there is others like Beethoven. And, and other composers who had to like struggle through the process of creativity. Um, and I think more often that's honestly like the, the real experience of many creators. 
And again, I imagine you can probably, uh, maybe you could universalize that, that, that principle, like do something. I mean, to relate it to sports, um, I did track in, in high school, but my brother did wrestling. And um, there are times when, like, he was, I mean, I watched, his, I watched him in action at his meets. There are times when, um, when maybe he was stuck or something and didn't know what to do, and the coach would yell out, like, do something. You know, hmm. like, he would just, he would, like, do something. Because once you start doing something, then, not that I'm a wrestler, but this is, again, this is me trying to draw an analogy, but it's once you, once you do something, then you can start to improvise what creative thing is going to happen next. But if you're not doing anything, then there's nothing to improvise on, kind of thing. So, I mean, that's the first thought that I had when you when you posed that question. I like that. I really like that. You just you don't know what you're gonna do. You just gotta do. You gotta do something, right? You gotta do do something. Do anything. We've heard that before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think this is very right. intriguing because when you look at performance, right? Performance is the is is the executing is the execution of a specific task or function. And there are right. those individuals who execute at a high level. And, you know, when you look at, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said, it was, he said, it wasn't that I was smarter than anybody else. It was just that I spent more time with the problems. And so when it comes to, to innovation, when it comes to uh, being able to create, we're in essence talking about taking, you know, two or three disparate um, ideas and then putting them together to create something new. How, right. how hard is that? How hard is that? In your opinion? That's so interesting. In my, I mean, I tend to be a perfectionist. So when I create something, I'm like not happy with it. You know what I mean? Like I create something and then like, it's good. I want to make something out of this composition, this idea. But then I'm, but then I need to struggle through it, honestly. So for me, sometimes it is extremely difficult. And like I've said before, for some, maybe that's not always the case. And I'll, be, I'll, I'll put it this way, just looking at some different piano compositions that I have created, sometimes they seem to write with themselves and it feels effortless. I'm like, oh, now I do this, now I do this, and then now I do this. And you know what I mean? And I'm engaged in the whole process and there's definitely a level of, of focus that's involved there that um, that's required. But other times, I don't know what I'm going to do next, and I have to wrestle through it. You know what I mean? And it can be a very titanic, like, very, very monumental struggle sometimes. Um, so it depends. But for me, most of the time, if I'm being honest, I would admit that it is very difficult, and there's few things that are more difficult than it. Um, and it's partly because I want to get it the way I want it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm kind of, a, I'm a, kind of a perfectionist. So it's also the kind of thing where, again, as a family person, I um, I'm aware that before I get into a composition project, I'm going to be occupied with it in a way that will seclude me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be in my own space and like deep in my own space. So I'm aware. So I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of that. And I take that into consideration before I start a uh, before I start a project. Um, can I afford to be like mentally absent, like for a lot, you know, for a decent amount of time? while I'm working on this. That's something I think about. That's great, man. I think that's such rich insight. I mean, when you look at performance psychology, um, as you and I have talked about before, some of the major groups of individuals um, who are studied are um, athletes, um, elite-level combat forces, and 
musicians, those of those uh, in your arena and entertainment actors and actresses, you know, um, we've even talked right. about the correlation you and I uh, of, of lifespan and these performers and how um, they are always perpetually, you know, seemingly so under under stress um, right. when it when it comes to failure. What is your Dr. Gregory Klug? What is your relationship with failure? I mean, as a performer, it's kind of, especially as a musical performer, person in the music industry, uh, or, yeah, person trying to make a name for himself as a musician, you have to be comfortable with failure. Like, and I had to cope with it, you know what I mean? Like, because I've sent out a, a lot of, um, you know, compositions to, like, composition competitions, and there are a lot of composers in the world, and they all want the, you know, the accolade or the honor that I was applying for, you know what I mean? So it's extremely competitive. Um, my grad school professor as a joke said that if you go to New York city and uh, open up a phone book, which is, I mean, he's talking about like decades ago, right? When phone books were used, but he said, open up a phone book and call one person, call one person or call 10 people. One out of 10 people will be a composer. <laughs> so the idea is there are so many people trying to be this, yeah. you know, trying to be, you know, you know, successful composer, successful um, musical performer, and that's why, like the this, the sound wisdom is, like, don't go into it or go into it knowing, hey, you know what I mean? Don't go, go into it knowing that it's extremely competitive, and even if you're really good, there's a good chance that no one will notice you. So, all, all that being said, what's my relationship with failure? Yeah, I failed a lot. Like I've sent out, you know, competition things, and I have not won them. Um, you know, but the I I personally. I have to evaluate myself not by whether other people like give me the honor or the 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 win that I want. It's this thing that, for example, I just composed a uh, last year. I composed the piano quartet. It's a piece for piano, violin, viola, and cello, and um, I submitted it by the deadline last year. And heard back about a month ago that I didn't get it. I didn't like win, but I love the piece that I wrote. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, I failed. In, other, in another sense, I created something that I personally am proud of. So that's part of my person. That's part of my equation. Like, did I do something that is good by my own standards and that would be good by the standards of the people that taught me? You know what I mean? Like, my I'm going back to my professors and graduates. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. I know that others may feel different, differently about it. You know, like success or failure is measured completely by whether other people at large recognize your recognize your abilities and recognize you. Period. Um, I've had like I've had to be honest with myself and and rewrite that in a way that yes, I want I want to get more of that personally, but um, and I'm working towards that like always, but um, but at the same time, I'm content with myself. I don't see myself as a failure just because I'm not like, I don't have a, a Grammy, you know what I mean, for a, for, for a film score. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I'm trying to think about it in a healthy, realistic, and just appropriate way. No, that's, that's, that's some um, enriching insight because I feel like, I feel like you have to, there are some people listening to this and they're like, man, how can you be okay with it? You know? And then there are other people who are listening to this and they're like, exactly. 
you know, and I really love the point you made prior in terms of just do something, just do something, just do anything, just do something, put it out there. And then this, this iterative process begins and then you can shape off the fat and, you know, get your work to where you want. Um, in terms of, in turn, I want you to step outside of yourself for a second and look at Greg Klug when he's about to perform, right? Um, when athletes um, are about to, you know, take the field, um, there it, it the the tension in the air is is very thick. Some guys you can set a clock, you can set a clock to when they're gonna show up to do X, Y, and Z, and you better not get in their way or you will get run over. Um, I know that for me, um, particularly when I get ready to speak or when I get ready to teach, I actually have to warn people. I'm like, yo, listen, man, I, you know, um, I don't want to be rude, but um, about 10 to 15 minutes before showtime or before we, we teach or before we set up, you know, what we're doing, like I'm going to be in a zone and I'm not trying to be rude, um, but I'm going to be very short with you. Uh, and because I need to get things done, I need to make sure sound check is good. I need to make sure everything is functioning well, uh, and it, it can kind of and it can kind of come across as you know brash, you know. And so, um, what does what does uh, uh, these what do these what do these moments for Gregory Klug look like leading up to a performance? What, how what is your behavior? What is your mindset? I mean, it's a good question. The main, like, one of the main performance activities that I have lately is leading my my students in an orchestral performer in the concert hall. And um, I mean, leading up to that, I mean, I guess in a sense, I don't personally feel like how do I how do I say this? I I don't want to say I don't feel nervous, but I do feel prepared in those instances. You know what I mean? Because I've spent so much so much time with them. I've done the dress rehearsal. And I've gotten it to the point where the only thing different is the fact that there's an audience there at that moment. So I've spent so much time in preparation that I feel like at this point, at least, at least at this point, when I first started doing it, I didn't feel this way per se. Um, I had to keep more poker face about like maybe nerves or what have you. Um, but, uh, but now I feel like um, the years that I've spent like conducting my group on stage, you know, has, has, um, create like a routine like for me it's i'm familiar with this routine of practice a lot practice a lot do the dress rehearsal be super comfortable now the nights come and here i am now to be honest it's a little bit it's relatively low stakes what I, what i do in that situation because um you know there's it's it's a it's grade school you know what i mean so it's not like super high stakes per se um so i mean but i guess practically speaking you know, we can talk about how, like, the value of preparation, you know, plays a major part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I think about what I do when I perform, like, in church or as, in a recital or in one of those kinds of scenarios, that's a situation where I'm probably, like, the spotlight is on me, period. Like, I'm the only one doing something. I'm performing in front of others. Uh, in that space, I guess leading up to the performance, um I don't have any, personally, I don't have any like rituals. Sometimes what I do is, um, you know what I'm saying? I just need to like take a few breaths before I literally get on, get out on stage and perform for people. Um, but as, as far as like my mental space, um, again, I just try to channel in all the hours of practice that I, that I spent and, and, 
and that I invested into that, into doing that. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, personally, personally, um, it's, it's, that's just it. Like I just, um, I need to spend some time, you know, staying focused the way you described and like not being, not engaging with other people in depth, um, and probably just being alone. So that's where I'm at as far as performance. Awesome. And that's awesome. the best way I can answer your question. Awesome. So I got, now I'm going to put you on the hot. I, that, no, I, I thank you. I think that's, that's a very, um, you know, novel way to look at it. And, you know, it, it's just interesting hearing from somebody who, like yourself, who's a creative and who thinks about performance differently. Um, I, I, I want to put you on the hot seat. You have absolutely no idea that these questions are coming. Um, but yeah. um, I want you to fill in the blank here. So, um, sure. Uh, so just so you know, uh, as, as a little segue, uh, uh, Greg, we got, I, I bought us about 10 to 15 more extra minutes. If you're cool with that, like one forty-five ish your time. Yeah, that's, that works. Okay, cool. Um, I just texted my, uh, my buddy and, and said I needed a little bit more time cause this was going really good. Um, and I don't want to, sure. I don't want to, I don't want to rush it. So, um, so fill in the blank. So for a high level performer, this fill in the blank can't happen. Man, for a high level, how much time do I have? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is it like bam, bam? <laughs> no, like, like what? what how, how would you fill in? What? How would you fill in that blank? Like, you can't have this if you're going to be a high level performer. This cannot happen. If you're a high level performer, um, I mean, you can't have distraction. You can't have distraction, and I think that's coming from me you know, in a situation where I have to be very deliberate about navigating like my life, my personal life. And it's hard to, it's hard for me in the present situation I'm in, to be honest, to have a, a space where I am not distracted. So you can have distraction, honestly. Like I, I, at this point, like I mentioned, I'm a dad, I have three kids. If you have like, if I have my, if I have my kids like needing stuff from me while I'm trying to prepare, it's nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like if that's what's going to, that, that's the reality. So I mean, I kind of look forward to the time when I can really, like, get my skills back up to where they used to be and not have those distractions. But anyway, the one word response to what you the question you posed would be distraction. That's awesome. Awesome. So in like fashion, fill in the blank here, to go to the next level, one must do what? We're talking about elite level performances here and high level, you right. know, uh, you know, high level thinking. And if you want to go to the next level, one must do what? I mean, the first thing that I thought of was have a vision of what you want to do and like work on it. And and for me, it's have the vision and love the vision, like create the vision based on what like I want this to happen. And then and then honestly, just do a ton of work to get yourself there and to believe that you can do it. So that's, that's what I would do. Like if I'm working on my piano skills or if I want to learn how to perform a really challenging piece in the piano, it would be, I'm doing this and literally I'm doing it. Like I'm setting my mind to it once I create the vision for that thing. Awesome. Awesome. So you have to have vision. You have to have vision. Yeah, for sure. So uh, fill in the blank here. The biggest enemy in your life will be blank if you don't control it. What would that blank be as far as the enemy of a high-level performer? 
the enemy of high level performance. Probably being overly critical of yourself. Mm. I mean, like I said before, I tend to be a perfectionist when I create stuff, but um, there's a point where it can be too much and you can beat yourself down perhaps. Um, so I would say a literal enemy would be being critical of yourself to the point where maybe you get discouraged or you start to not, not, you start to, um, not believe in yourself, you know what I'm saying? As much as you, as much as you can or should. That's awesome. So when do you, uh, no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's some very, that's very ardent right there. And I, and I, and I like, I like the way you put it because I mean, for a creative, for any type of high level performer, um, I think that that's one of the biggest um, hurdles, you know, is just, um, you know, that, that, that self-doubt, you know. Um, right. When do you know, this is an abstract question, but when do you know that the work is done? When do you know that it's finished? When do you know that you are ready? Man. If I can do it now, like if I can literally, if I'm working on skills, if I can demonstrate at this moment, like easily, and it feels it feels comfortable. It does, and it can make it look easy. Whatever I'm working on, you know, what I'm saying if I'm if it's a Chopin etude, if it's a if it's I don't know if it's if if it's a composition that I'm working on. If I can say here it is, let me show you just a moment, and I'm not I'm not feeling stressed about it or anything like that. Already, that's awesome. You make it look easy, man. You like you make it look easy, man. <laughs> So, so, yeah, no, that's good, man. I'm, I got one more, you're doing beautifully, man. So, uh, we got to keep it going here. So this is the last question before yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. before I, before I, uh, you know, I let you have the mic here, um, as we close, uh, and thank sure. you again, man, for taking the time. This has been really good. Um, yeah, as you, as you look at high level performers, as you look at, the, anywhere from Mozart to, to, to Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. What is one trait that you think that all high-level performers have? What do you think, or what do you, or in like fashion, what trait do you believe that they need to have? If you're going to be the best of the best, you need to have this or all of them have had this in some way, shape, or form. I mean... There's different words that I could use. I don't know what the best word would be, but the word that came to mind was ego. And um, because, and, and again, you can put that in one sense. You can put, another word might be believing in yourself. You know what I mean? Um, I think there's a way to have, like, belief in yourself in a way that doesn't translate to the other kinds of connotations that go along with ego, egotism, etc., you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when I think of when you mentioned, you know, when you mentioned Mozart, um, like he believes, like he knows that he can be amazing, and he, and so and he has that belief, you know, that he can be amazing, and Beethoven did too, and I think any great composer you can name, and for that matter, any for that matter, any performer that you can name, that is like a high level, you know, performer. Um, like they've really believed in themselves and you know what I'm saying? Like they really, they really had a high opinion of themselves. And like I said, I think there's a way to have that view um, without having, 
you know, like a, like an arrogant attitude and stuff like that. Um, you know, speaking of sports, I was just recently listening to um, Evander Holyfield, and uh, he was being actually he was being interviewed on uh, Mike Tyson's podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was like, "I don't have an ego. My mom beat the ego out of me." <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was just laughing when I when I heard him share share about that, but. But also having a ton of respect for him because, like, he believes that he could be heavyweight champion of the world, but he didn't have this mindset of like taking like the personal attacks that Mike Tyson would level against him. You know what I mean? When they were building up to their fight, in a way that he didn't let that stuff get inside his head. Mm-hmm. You know, and not having an ego in that sense was good because he was like, "Oh, you're going to take, you're going to personally attack me." I mean, he wasn't bothered by it because he didn't feel like that he didn't cause him to retaliate. So he had this humility and this confidence. So there's the golden ticket. If you can have both, if you can have that, that humility and like this self-confidence, that would be not just a high level performer. That would be like a high level performer and an awesome role model, to be honest. Well said. So well said, man. Well said, man. That was awesome. I, um, uh, I'm not going to even attempt to add to that. Um, but I, what I want to do now is I want you um, to just share with the, the listeners of this podcast. You know, this is all things performance, and and one of the things that um, you know uh, we want to do is we want to um, just share with people um, ideas, thought processes, um, insights from people who are anywhere from you know uh, strength conditioning professionals to psychologists to. Uh, people who work in ministry, um, you know, applied functional neurology and otherwise, and even, you know, um, in the domain um, that you've shared with us so eloquently today in music. um, Are there any thoughts um, that you have that that you can't shake? Or is there anything on your heart that you just want to share with everybody uh, today just in regards to, you know, uh, your world, right? Your world of, of music. Um, so specifically anything you said that I can't shake, meaning like, yeah, what thoughts, yeah, what thoughts, right. Just keep coming back. You just can't shake them, you know, or what things have you been thinking about deeply, uh, uh, that you would just like to, to talk about, or if there's any insights that you have, you know, uh, the floor is yours, man. You can take it wherever you want. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we were saying before, how I'm still, like I'm like I'm happy in a sense, like I'll put it this way, I'm content with my accomplishments, but in a way I'm not content because I want to achieve more. So what's difficult for me is being in a place where I have not yet achieved what I want to achieve in my life as a creator, as a performer, etc. Um and so in one sense, that's good because, like, I'm discontent, like I'm not happy. But in another sense, um, let me put it this way: I'm trying to balance like being content in my life and being a family man and being there for my wife and kids and having that and and, and uh, being a role model for them, etc. And teaching them, investing in their lives, and being emotionally present. And then there's also my ambitions to to achieve you know recognition in some fashion as a as a as a composer as a, as a creator so i need to i need to balance those things and it's hard you know what i mean it's hard it's not easy 
So, um, I guess um, it's just uh, what it, what it comes. Yeah, it's it's difficult to balance those things, but I do the best I can. Yeah. No, and I think I think the um, you know just just feeling uh, what you're saying and hearing what you're saying, I think is very commonplace in a lot of high level performers. I mean, what you just what you just shared with us is commonplace with many high level performers. It's one of those things whereby, you know, it's not because you're discontented in life. It's just that you are reaching for something greater, and that is your uh, your desire to to, to elicit the best version of yourself that you can possibly uh garner and so i i i i feel it man i feel it i sense it and i i go through the same uh you know through the same process and i feel the exact same way um it's one of those things where uh, i think i was i was on the phone earlier uh, with one of my mentors uh, and he was uh sharing i think the, the the shack the shack uh it was like a shack documentary that had just come out and how he had a very real moment in which this high-level performer, this individual that was bigger than life, had these, uh, should I dare I say, just regretful moments that, hey, you know what, I, I wasn't there for my family. Not because he was a bad dad, because Shaq is an amazing person, but because of the life of this performer. The life, it was just like I had to go to this event, to that event, to this game, to this event, to this signing, to this commercial and the life took him away from from you know being being present and um you know with that said we're not even we haven't even talked about you know his trade craft practice getting better practice you know performing we haven't even talked about that we're just talking about the very responsibilities that he have so just hearing you share i think is a sentiment that many people feel i feel it you know um having this balance uh, that that doesn't seem to ever exist reaching because you know you can do better you know you know not in a right. con, not in a condescending or, or arrogant way but reaching because you know you can do better you know you have more to give and that my friend is a sign of life man and so thank you for for being real with us right there man mm-hmm. no, no i appreciate that and it is i mean it is real I mean, that's that's straight from you know my heart and that's me like being forthright about just my situation like can I be content you know what I mean um even though even though I'm really wanting to do more um but I think when all said and done I'm, I would have less regret less regrets or fewer regrets if I remained committed to my family and remained emotionally present with my family then then if I didn't do that and just focused on my craft you know what I mean like mm-hmm. if I was just if I was just selfish and focused on like my own craft and trying to be as good as I can be, trying to be excellent and, and uh, as you know, and try to actualize my you know potential as a composer, as a performer, and just focusing on that to the exclusion of the other things that are important, I think I would have more regret in that situation. You know what I mean? Like at the end of my life, and that's yeah. something that I think is worthwhile to do. Imagine yourself at the end of your life. You know, I've done this, and uh, what. <laughs> What do you want to be able to say about your life? And um, and for me, having a good legacy for my family is is very very important. So, and probably equally equally important as the uh, the accomplishments that I want to make. You know, professionally speaking. Awesome, awesome. Well, great.
Greg, Dr. Gregory Clue. Thank you for blessing us, man, with your words, man. That was very uh, insightful, very enriching. I can't go back. I can't wait to go back and listen to it. 